You're listening to Kamamo House, a Honolulu talk story podcast with reflections on identity and culture from a part Hawaiian's perspective. Super fresh. Oh my god. Oh, let me turn on the mic first. Okay. On today's episode, I'm interviewing my two friends. Christina Oweno, no judgment in there. Absolutely yeah, actress, nice. activist, all-around entrepreneur, great person. And my other friend, Judy oh. Wen. <laughs> it's practice, like you know, for when you perform. Actress, yeah. photographer, yeah, filmmaker, and also all-around awesome the, entrepreneur artist person. Can you tell me itself? that you have an actual sequin robe that you just wear around the house? Like just, like just pants and then like a sequin robe and this microphone. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Sean mostly gets his wardrobe from various uh, costume closets. I do have a lot of clothes from theaters. FYI, there's chunks of this episode where I am not audible because no. for some no. reason <laughs> I lost it. It wasn't recorded at all in the first place. I don't know. Yeah, good, so there's good. a lot of reverse engineering we're going to do today. In celebration of Pride, I am premiering two different episodes in the month of October. This one with my friends Tina and Judy, and another one with my friends Max and Rain. In today's episode, we talk about a lot of things. We explore Asian American identity um, and what that means while also being female and queer, and how that plays out here in Hawaii and in the continent slash mainland. We also talk about Tina and Judy's relationship to their motherland, mother tongue, self-care, drinking wine, a little bit of religion, just a little bit of everything. I would also like to acknowledge that I said I was going to premiere episode two, which was about my sister and her fiance two months ago, um, but that didn't happen. So sorry, that'll come out soon after Pride is done. Hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, also, they're squeaking because I have a puppy. What does it mean to be queer and Asian? Or, like, specifically right now, like, what does it mean to be a queer Asian female, right? Like, yeah. so, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I just want to do a whole episode on that, like, being queer in Hawaii. And, like, Judy, you're not from here, but, like, because... I've talked to multiple people who are Asian American and who are transplants mm-hmm. here. And it's interesting to hear their perspective about like my first episode I kind of go into and the, my second episode that I'm going to I'm editing right now kind of touches on privilege and being Asian American. Yeah. So it's very interesting mm-hmm. to hear people come here and they're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so welcome. It's so great. Yes. You know, and it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So I just wanted to talk and get your guys perspective about that. Yeah. OK. So. Um- so who do you want to start? <laughs> I mean, I, can, I feel I like can... you should start, Judy, because that question, I mean, like, let's just get her. It makes sense. Yes. Um, so, yes, I would uh, concur with the friends and people you have spoken to that have come from the mainland. And I've actually had a lot of conversations since I've moved here with people about the privileges that I realize that I have that I have um, benefited from living from the mainland and then moving here. Uh, but then also some of the racism that I've experienced on the mainland versus any that I've experienced here, which honestly, I haven't experienced any racism here. Luckily for me, um, I'm, I can't speak for everybody else who's a transplant out here that's Asian American as well. But I can say this much is that it's it was the first time in my entire life since like I've been born in the States for me to show up to a place and not feel like people are looking at me because of my race. Wow. Yeah. Um, like walking into a shop or into a restaurant or something, I didn't have people turn and like, look like you can, you know, sometimes you can kind of tell when people are looking at you a certain way and it's not necessarily because you have like broccoli in your teeth or like you're wearing the wrong outfit, you know, yeah. it's, it's different. There's something different about it. Like the air changes and you can just feel the tension. Um, and like I, I grew up the second half of my life in Michigan. Luckily, it was kind of more a, a diverse area, 
But whenever I did make it into rural areas, it was like a suit. I'm walking into a McDonald's, a rest stop, like a restaurant, like, you know, whatever. And people are like, they turn and I'm like, oh, right, right, right. Because I'm Asian. You get, mm. you, you don't see that. <laughs> uh, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something that has differed very much. And like trying to explain it to people that I've encountered out here um, about how bizarre it is to have it reversed as an adult, you know? Um, that I'm sure people who are, I would, I would assume people that are born and raised in Hawaii going into the mainland and living in certain areas that are mostly white populated, see how different people respond to you besides the fact that you're from Hawaii, you know, there is a a little difference in speech, like uh, accent and everything like that too. So it's, it's intriguing. It's all very, yeah. I mean, we can discuss it a little bit more, but definitely, um, it's, 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 I've, I haven't felt this accepted since I've, you know, been born and raised into the world. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> like I, anytime I, I've had people ask me about my, my background, it's like, what high school did you go to? It's, it's <laughs> never like, where did your people come from? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I have, uh, when I first moved out here, uh, uh, Jay and I had an auntie that lived out in Hawaii and I. So when I came out there, she was like, you know, you look local, but when you talk, people are going to know that you're not from here because you sound educated. That's what she said. And I was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. <laughs> that's like terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, they're, they're going to know. Cause like, but I would never even. I, it, it doesn't. Um, I love it out here and I feel very accepted. And I don't feel like anybody has judged me, even if I'm not from Hawaii. Yeah. Everyone's been very welcome, you know, like welcoming to me yeah. about it. Yeah, so. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Don't say anything offensive. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like, what your auntie said is, like, I mean, that's just indicative of, like, that's a kind of a kind of blue-collar kind of attitude, like, that a lot of Hawaii people, you know, it's just post-plantation, you know. Right. Um, Which I, I don't think that's, you know. I mean, she's born and raised here, so, she, mm-hmm. like, she makes her jokes and does her things, but it's still, like, it's not okay. Like, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so. I, yeah, and we we love. I mean, we we we. I, I'm sure I can speak for Tina. Is just you're a blessing to our lives, and it's just so beautiful to Aww. be able to meet you and to know someone. There's so many talented people, um, in Honolulu, but you just don't really hear about it because I mean, it's just hard to make a living. Period. Here, but um, oh yeah, there's so many talented people here and wonderful people like yourself, and it. Uh, it's interesting that you know because your story i didn't even plan this your story like you when you were describing i was like oh wait you're describing tina's story right right so mm-hmm. let's let's hear from you tina like what is your experience yeah. being from hawaii transplanting to portland <laughs> yeah i mean uh right now portland is lit <laughs> <laughs> right it is quite. there's a lot of it was such i was just telling my roommates this a couple days ago because when the feds when the feds came marching in, right, there was all this kerfuffle and this confusion of why and then taking a look at, you know, police brutality and what that means and all these different layers. And I kind of paused and I was like, you know, when I set out to move to Portland, I thought I would be amongst, yes, white people, but I thought they would be like white people in Hawaii where they're a little bit more progressive, Mm -hmm. a little bit more open, definitely more, you know, I feel like that's certainly true for LGBTQIA community. Uh, Mm -hmm. Race is a whole different story. So (laughs) that was, yeah, I was immediately aware of the privilege I had as an Asian American being in Hawaii because the feeling of other was not there growing up. Mm-hmm. And suddenly yeah. to be in Portland was just all white. I went the second or third day that I came in, I, or sorry, I moved to Portland. I went to a grocery store and this is, I mean, so typical Portland. Yeah. Like this co-op grocery <laughs> store, which I'm like, what does that mean? Whatever. Do you, you have bring carrots? jars instead of like using plastic bags? No, but that definitely, they didn't ask if I wanted a bag or anything. I, I had yeah. to carry everything out myself and yeah, everybody's yeah. just kind of like, yeah. what is she doing? Is that leather? Oh my God. Uh, so as I was checking out the, 
the lady looked at me and she's like, hi, how's it going? I was like, hello, as you do. And yeah. at the end, she was like, do you want a receipt? And oh she said gosh. it so loud and slow. And I looked at her and I was like, <laughs> I just said hello to you. Like, I don't. And I'm pretty like sure I English. said it. Yes. <laughs> and like in English. Uh, and I was like, no. And so I left feeling really weird. And I was like, okay, maybe yeah. that, I, I don't know. It's That's kind of weird. And when I applied for this job for this boutique, the owner there was awful and super triggering and I had yeah. all this like anger and anxiety and just this huge identity crisis and it wasn't until all this stuff started coming out with Black Lives Matter and I started to yeah. engage in different conversations around equity, diversion and, inc and inclusion that I was like, right. oh, that's what microaggressions feel like. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, You can't pinpoint it, but it's awful and it affects you physically mentally emotionally mm -hmm. you know and so my perception around racism especially towards black brown and indigenous people has just been expanded and like wow yeah. i've only been here for two weeks and i can right. feel yeah, yeah. just mm -hmm. a small percentage of what that could do to someone and to think mm -hmm. that that has you know, been pointed at a certain group of people for years, hundreds of years is mm -hmm. just crazy. So I think it's made me a better person. It's definitely come with a lot of growing pains. It's right. definitely been really humbling and um, yeah, also engaging in a bigger conversation of like, okay, when they talk about white privilege, I can apply that to myself too. That also right. includes mm -hmm. East Asian American because yeah. we are mm -hmm. white privilege Definitely. adjacent, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. And if you don't mind me jumping off of that too, I think we, and I know I've spoken to Tina about this in the past too, is that um, as like East Asian or Southeast Asian Americans, we do get a pass, quote unquote. Like we have benefited for sure from white um, privileges, mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of it too, society doesn't view us as a threat. Like I know there's like a plethora of Kung Fu movies and all these like stupid fucking things, stereotypes about, you know, uh, us being really great at math and like all that bullshit, but they don't see us as a national threat. Like they don't, they don't, you know, and a lot of it has to do with the culture most Asian people grow up in, which is put your head down, work hard, mm -hmm. don't, Put your nose in the business. It's about honor, reputation, family, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think because of that, um, these microaggressions that Tina brings up, it happens, but it's not like as blatant or as obvious as it is with BIPOC, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's, it's, um, it's just, <laughs> it's frustrating because it's like, you want to break out of the the Eastern philosophy shell that you potentially have grown up in, yes. so you're vocal. But when you're too vocal, then you're like, they're like, mm, why are Asian people talking too much? Like, you know what I mean? So that's that's been my experience. Yeah. So I guess my curious question for Tina, because uh, you were talking about this, is because because I grew up in it, and then in my adulthood, was able to benefit from the privileges of feeling not like an other in mm -hmm. Hawaii. Um, even though I'm not from here, I still was welcomed, like I said. How has it been for you having to switch that paradigm from growing up in a community that was so loving and caring about you and your skin, your everything like that, to a community where all of a sudden you can feel it? Yeah, I think uh, it's been hard. I The first couple months that I moved up, I was really borderline depressed because my community was taken away. I didn't know anyone here. Even, uh, you know, Mel has a bit of a community, which is mostly just her coworkers, but even they're all white. They're very nice people. We like to hang out, but I was just like craving, yeah. you know, <laughs> my community. Yeah. My colorful, yeah. my, my queer folk, you know, all of that, that mm -hmm. I just grew in Hawaii. Um, but it also, it, I, I just, 
I think overall it's made me aware of so many layers because even though I did grow up in Hawaii, I realized I, I could assimilate really well and my code switching was really good and I thought, oh, why right, is that? Right, code switching. Yeah, and even growing up in Hawaii, people were always like, are you from San Diego? And I'm like, ew, how dare? <laughs> yeah. But I realized yeah. that that's partially because of my upbringing in the church, you know, that mm. the church that we went to, you did your Sunday best. Our pastors were from... Uh, from Texas and a lot of the different uh, yeah. traditions and things that we had uh, mimicked that of culture in, on the continent, you know? So I, and the people that I grew up with in the church there, a lot of them were homeschooled. A lot of them were from the North shore. So a lot of them from the North shore, but came over from the continent. So there's like this, yeah. I mean, Sean knows this too, like this cool surfer type persona that a lot of churches embody here in Hawaii where like you wear Roxy and you go you know <laughs> Dawn Patrol and stuff right. and you praise the Lord and grow your hair yeah. long and have five million children like Waimea, you know <laughs> go to Waimea Bay drink Absolutely. coffee over there in Waialua yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all of it yes absolutely and just the Kool-Aid that I drank in church oh. in Hawaii and then coming up here and being like wow, uh, even though there's a lot of privilege there, you know, that we hold, there's a lot of white supremacy that we internalize, you know, so recognizing that like assimilation Mm -hmm. is crazy. And, and then seeing like looking at my parents in a totally different view of like, my dad is a military brat. My mom is from Okinawa, you know, and all these different, and these frustrations around like, Oh, why can't we just be more American? Why can't we do more of these things? And realizing like, wow, that's microaggressions toward my own parents, (laughs) you know? And that's, awful Mm. but it's human and i don't think that's anything and and i think when we grow up in a society where there's such a huge umbrella enveloping us as a whole as people of color i think it's it's natural for us to automatically be like well why can't my parents be more american and you know blah 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 because my parents are immigrated and i'm first generation american here and they still speak vietnamese they don't speak english Mm. but i've had people ask me people white people from fucking Iowa be like why don't your parents speak American oh god first of all American is not a language <laughs> right English. right um second of all my parents wanted me to keep my culture of where our people came from they came yeah. because the country was yeah. you know up in flames because of the war and everything yeah. so they wanted to give us better opportunities but they want us to be able to speak multiple languages like Vietnamese and English that's yeah. a beneficial thing yeah um but yeah uh, Actually, what's funny is the other day on Instagram, I posted this. I don't know if you guys saw it at all, but I saw this meme where somebody was like, what is considered uh, trashy if you're poor, but classy if you're rich? Yeah, yeah, And someone yeah. said, speaking, yeah, speaking two different languages. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. And I had a couple of friends reach out and like list off a bunch of other things too, like gold teeth. Um, <laughs> what else? Yeah. Oh, shit, there's wow. so many more, but that was the one that popped up in my head. Anyway, I know that kind of diverted. No, it's fine. This is all great. And I'm here to mostly listen and kind of curate anyway. But, um, you know, another connecting point I didn't even think about, which is kind of serendipitous, is funny, is like, um, I didn't. I don't think I knew that, Judy, that you were first generation. And it, Tina, you're also kind of in some ways from your mom, right? This mm-hmm. is kind of similar. You both kind of have um, that kind of immigrant s- experience, right? Kind of the identity of... Right having at least at the the least having a parent that is trying to assimilate Mm -hmm. or parents right trying to assimilate Mm -hmm. from from this culture that is um a minority right your mom auntie mutumi is okinawan right and your dad is from here yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. so so that's another layer so um um my question about that is like i was thinking about code switching um when you brought it when you guys were talking about it um do you feel like the the quality of your code switching is 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 of a certain quality? Your skill is of a certain quality because of the immigrant story, because of like you said, Tina Church and having to adapt, and mm-hmm. also like where does queerness? We should start talking about that a little bit. I, I I'm curious oh, yeah, about that. that. Is, I mean, it's a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like all of these kind of contribute to it, right? But I, I want to hear what you guys yeah. um, comment on that. Um, how about you go first, Tina? Yeah. Or wait, yeah, wait, Tina. who is who who spoke last? Oh, I just spoke. Oh, yeah, let's... spoke last. Okay, yeah, yeah you go, Judy. Judy go. Yep. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I just figured because Tina was just talking about, you know. No, no. And it's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> girl, so, girl. Codes, um, so, code switching in regards to being a first generation American and uh, growing up in, like, like I mentioned earlier, like an Eastern philosophy type of home and then going to school in a Western um, thing. The other thing that I should mention, too, is like the first 10 years of my life I spent in Long Beach, California, in a community that was mainly people of color. Whoa, there was like yeah, three white wow. kids at my school. So wow. <laughs> and then I moved to Michigan where there was like three people of color yeah. and then all white people. <laughs> so it was just like a very interesting thing. So I guess in regards to that, when I was in elementary school, there was a totally different dialect dynamic in speech playing community and like communication as well um, as opposed to people in the Midwest as well as the types of people I was talking to you know so I guess <laughs> I mean I feel like the way I speak is for the most part the same whoever I talk to um, the verbiage vocabulary everything like that and if there's an issue then i'll try to clarify or explain <laughs> but for the most part i do try to to continue speaking the way i speak because i don't feel comfortable for myself switching in any other way because one i don't want to be offensive if i am switching you know what i mean i'm not sure if i'm making any sense yeah, in this regard yeah. and, and it's not like <clears throat> Because I'm sure we've all been in situations where we've spoken to people and um, speech patterns are different. Yeah. And uh, you want to try and make them feel more comfortable by speaking in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct? Yeah, code switching. But I think my uncomfortability is feeling like I'm being condescending or, or that I'm being offensive if I do. So I just try my best to continue speaking the way I do. So if I... If I am or have been code switching, I haven't been aware of it. But I'm sure I have because I've grown up in this community. And well, we we, I, we all I, use ebonics, girl, right? We do. We use it with each other, right? Which, yeah, yeah. but I know what you mean. But like, I I mean, yeah. And then that ties to. I just mentioned that too because like, when I do it, I, I it's either because I it's a business thing or like. I, I because I'm so many different ethnicities and I think about it a lot. Right. I switch, mm -hmm. or also like it's just a humor thing, right? It's that I use things right, like right. that to diffuse things. But um, yeah. I feel like the the first part of my life because I did I did actually grow up in a pretty um, like it was a get it was a ghetto, and so there was like a certain type of like like language that was built in there. And so when I moved to Michigan, I did have a little bit of a different way that I was speaking. Mm. But then growing up in Michigan, it's like I have to talk and speak like this <laughs> because people won't understand me. Yeah. And they're like, "Wow, you speak English so well." And it's like, yeah. "Fuck you. I was born in the states, you know." Like it's <laughs> Um, can I just tell you guys a quick little story yeah, too? Go ahead. Actually? Yeah. Um, so my sister, so I'm Vietnamese, um as as you guys know. But uh, very stereotypical, but my sister owned a nail salon. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, mm -hmm. another time. Um, <laughs> and so I would answer the phone and, uh, you know, book appointments and stuff. And I actually had this lady called in, you know, ask questions like, oh, you know, how much was a pedicure? Like, oh, how much? Okay. And then she's like, okay, I'd like to make an appointment. Great. Perfect. You know, what time? And then she's like, like whispered onto the phone. And she's like, is, um, is everyone there American? Well, and I was like. Well, we are. We just happen to also be Asian, yeah. too. Yep. So, mm -hmm. And she was like, wow, are you uh, what you are? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, wow, you speak it so well. Like, I'm like, all right, well, you wouldn't have known if I didn't tell you. We were over the phone. Like, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So, but thanks, I guess. So it's, it's, it's tough. But I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, it's fine. Well. I mean, like, it's this is a space to kind of just explore all these things and kind of yeah. Hopefully, because I I have been thinking about the code switching thing too. Like I'm I'm because I know it's hard to say because I grew up speaking this way. Like I grew up having to adapt, right? Mm. Code switching. Like that's just been something that has been at the forefront because of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything has been in the forefront. Like what Tina was talking about. Like now you're just more hyper aware of like privileges that you have benefited from and how to navigate through this world as an Asian queer woman yeah. in this community and and trying to see where you can learn and grow um, as a person to be more 
inclusive and to be more, you know, sensitive and supportive. And so I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's a situation where, yeah, it's, I guess it's an, a survival thing, you know, especially with my parents, like coming here, yeah. trying to learn English, trying to make ends meet. And so their goal for us was to assimilate, yeah. to, to act like you're one of them so that nobody right. can question you. Yeah. So. And it's yeah. it's the the survival thing is it's it can be a negative thing in the sense of you can abandon certain um, indigenous mm -hmm. qualities from your culture in f for example because you signed up to in the military or whatever um, but also it's positive in the sense that you know oh no. like my grandma passes on passed oh or both my all my grandparents passed on things to me that are from their grandparents right that like here is just like a sense of resourcefulness. So it's not just yeah. the survival thing, right? It's just like, you know, I still save all this stupid fucking plastic shit from Zippies because my Nana does it Oh my too. God, yeah. But like, I mean, I just want it. I don't know what it's going to be used for as an artist too. I, I'm just curious about yeah. how I can reuse it. Um, so Tina, how about you? How, how what is yeah. What do you want to say about like the code switching or the flexibility? I feel like also just being from Hawaii, you know, living in different mm -hmm. worlds, Kind of like, even like you, Judy, it's interesting that you grew up in Long Beach with all these different folks, mm -hmm. which makes me think like you're kind of more like us than a lot of other Asian Americans that I've met from the, the continent. But um, Tina, yeah. That's really why I feel so like, like connected. Yeah. You know, being here. I don't feel like weird. But anyway, so Tina. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I hear that. Um, I think growing, well, so from the get-go, my, my mom didn't really allow me to speak Japanese at home because mm. while when I was first born there was this whole study that like you, if you speak two languages to your kids it's gonna make them stupid yeah so don't oh. do that what? Oh, so, no. yeah I, uh, yes yeah, yeah, yeah totally so no you know way. yeah yeah totally so my mom um I mean she oh. still spoke to me in, in Japanese but I spoke back in English and that's the uh, same with all my cousins mm -hmm. all yeah. the family speaks Japanese and we grew up around it but we weren't required to speak right. back in Japanese and it was more encouraged to speak English because you know all the school all the learning all the reading is going to be in English yeah. and um similarly with Pigeon I grew up in my Gentry, right went to Pro City High School and I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, like, yeah, Pearl City has a little bit of this uh, stigma of kind of being more high makamaka and <laughs> and there was such a divide between, like, students who played sports, you know, and were, like, and listened to the Hawaiian music and local music and mm. all of that stuff versus, like, student government, which I was a part of, or, like, the drama uh, club, which was mostly Asian-American mm -hmm. and white, you yeah. know? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, we're all in AP classes, we're on the GT program, mm -hmm. we're, we're studying for the SATs, we're the ones going to the career counselor all the time. And so it was just normal for all of us. And for most of my friends, they were like third, fourth generation. So they were mm -hmm. all already assimilated, right? And so they yeah. they yeah. grew up with their grandparents and their parents yeah. already speaking very well English. They're very well educated, you know, engineers, what have you. And so I just wanted to blend in and so i was like okay we're gonna talk like this we're gonna watch these tv shows that depict you know ladies that talk like this and because i wanted to be an artist yeah. right even more so i'm like oh i gotta get these certain dialects right and i remember like listening to some of my uh friends from church who were from north shore but their parents are from the mainland and the way they would say like 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 and i would just go over it like why do i say like like they say <laughs> like yeah. you know and going over <laughs> certain different words and mm, trying yeah. to be more like them and and rounding it out and not sounding like i'm from hawaii yeah and then coming here it was <laughs> i think i i fall more into being more japanese because yeah the way they speak to me is like oh it's very gentle it's like oh how you doing you're Asian, I see, and you're a woman, okay. And they, they like, I've had a couple of people, like, bow a little bit to me. Oh, so I then I so just, oh, yeah, God. so I just, in terms of, like, bow back. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, oh I gosh. get in the car. I'm like, what are you doing? What the fuck was I doing? Right? Why did I do this? Why 
did I do that? And I don't know if that's part of, you know, being an improviser as well. Like you just yes and people and like, oh, this is the bit. Okay. Hi. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's bow. Let's bow. Let's keep bowing. What if that's the issue? Like with being an Asian woman and then also being in theater doing the improv being the yes and it's right? like an extra layer of you yes don't and. know you don't you just you just don't know I've also been really cognizant of certain words that I use like if I'm not mm. gonna introduce Mel because Mel is quite gender neutral of a name people aren't yeah. sure so even though like she's my fiance I still say partner because people still understand like oh partner probably queer you know and they yeah. are able to kind of ask more or like just do you not mean assume right or do you do you mean also besides that but it's like a gentler way of introducing them perhaps yeah. like in a way subconsciously blanketing it for them so they're not so like jarred by the possibility of you having this a same-sex partner totally yeah Ugh, totally yeah. a thousand percent and then, like, going back to talking to people from church, like, that's a whole different code switch into uh, of, like, I can't really even imagine. censoring. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, no wonder I'm an actor. I've been acting all my life. <laughs> you know, like, you've had to put on so many personas your whole life, and that's just the life of a POC person, I feel like. You know? Yeah. You just learn how. Yeah. And here is where there is some audio missing. So we fast forward in the timeline to where I ask... Judy and Tina, some questions about the motherland, the homeland. Um, and Judy asks Tina a question about Tina's mother. Wait, so if she speaks it, do you understand it? I do understand it. So what's hard about Tina Guji is that it changes a lot. And hmm. so even what she knows now, like it's been what, over 20 years, basically my entire existence, it's changed a whole bunch where she's, she's even like, wow, I don't even really understand a lot of the slang now because she's just, you know, hasn't been there and hasn't learned, you know, Hmm. how it's kind of morphed. But um, yeah, I can understand it. I mean, less and less now, and especially now being here in Portland, but that's one of the things that I've been really, um, during this quarantine have been kind of wanting to get back into Okinawa is different in well maybe same same because hi colonization uh (laughs) in that (laughs) yeah how a lot of the culture has already been stripped like even Okinawa is a mix of Japanese and Chinese and Mm, Philippine you know what I mean and U.S. Mm. and so it's just this hodgepodge where it's really hard to discern what was actually originally Okinawan at this point yeah so that's been interesting to kind of notice and try to navigate and I mean my mom was my Okinawa for the longest time and now I don't have that right being in Portland and just also navigating our own relationship in terms of like you know me being engaged to a woman which is very not not what church wants yeah 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 because she's gay Uh, so um so yeah, but it's yeah. I've just been cooking more, more Okinawan foods and trying to like get into that and learn Japanese yeah. more. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I made too much one day, but I was like, yes, I'm gonna eat all of it. I'm gonna eat. All of it. Now it's Judy's turn. FYI, this is a well, whole section I where the audio on my end is totally gone. We started talking about this right now. So but stay I tuned when I come back. When I was younger and in school. Um, specifically in Michigan, uh, that I was trying to find my identity. Because I remember we had projects we had to do. Like in English class, we had to present, you know, you guys remember those presentations we had to do where you had to learn how to do certain speeches, like public speaking and like Mm -hmm. book readings and stuff like that. Um, And I chose uh, Vietnam. I I chose Vietnam because I didn't really know much more than what my parents told me. And I showed up wearing an ao yai, which is a traditional Vietnamese dress that women wear it's really pretty and it's really ornate um and the one I wore was what my mom wore for her wedding so it was red and it had like really pretty gold Aww. stitching yeah and then I you know I brought some egg rolls that my mom made with some fish sauce which a bunch of right exactly so it was just like are you doing this now Judy like this is what you want <laughs> to do but yes yes I do remember feeling like when I was a teenager, like ashamed to have people come to my house because my house always smelled 
of food. Mm. I, I know. And um, and then like my clothes would smell like it and I would go to school and I'd be embarrassed. And so like my relationship with Vietnamese culture and Vietnam itself was like, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but like growing up in the Midwest with the majority of, you know, white people and everything, I felt ashamed. I felt like we were trashy, you know, like I felt like we were dirty because our food smelled different or funny. Um, and what fucking pisses me off now is those stupid ass bitches are now being like, I love bomby sandwiches and fuck. Oh, of and it's course. like, oh, fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. My mom would pack the shit and I'd bring it to school and these kids would be like, ew, it smells. And it's just, <laughs> oh, fuck yourself. And now, like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, do you have issues with this? Again, go fuck yourself. Like, right. I'm just, like, <laughs> doing this. Um, no, it feels, it feels nice. Like right. just, it's like the most gentle thing that you could eat, right? Like it's not even like a stinky food. It's not. It's it, there's a lot of aromats in it. Like there's onion and a star anise and like clove and everything. So it's like it smells really, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also it's great for hangovers. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes, number one, number um, one. So I guess I guess my my relationship with Vietnam Vietnamese culture is the fact that like when I was growing up, I, I had issues with identifying with it because I wanted to fit in so bad mm-hmm. and I wanted people to understand it as well as like accept it. But when they didn't accept it, I was like, oh, this is trashy. Like I, I, I can't be, a, a, you know, related to this. But as I got older, I realized like this is both of my identity, being American and Vietnamese. And I guess that's something that I think a lot of first generation Americans um can understand like just the switch like having to go between the two um it's 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 weird and it's like you're teetering because you're also just trying to fit in on either side and you're like which one do I fit in in because for me you know with my parents speaking Vietnamese only of course I have an accent when I speak Vietnamese now because I grew up speaking English mainly I mean Vietnamese was my first language but then I started speaking English so soon and so early um that you know, it's it's pretty major. And so my parents will be like, you don't even know how to speak Vietnamese that well. And then like, you know, like I'll have family friends be like, do you even know what this dish is? It's like, yes, I grew up eating this stuff, you guys. Just because I speak English well doesn't mean I don't know how to speak Vietnamese. You know what I mean? Wow. So there's also that side that's pushed back. Mm-hmm. And then I've also had, you know, what Tina was telling you earlier about going to the grocery store that lady's like, would you like a receipt? And it's like, people... First of all, why talking louder and slower would make a difference? Right. Like if you don't speak the same fucking language, it's not going to matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just hate that shit. It's so ignorant. Um, but like having that kind of crap happen too. Like I would work in restaurants and people would look at me and they're like, where are you from? And you know, like that's the mm-hmm. question that always gets asked. And I'm like, I'm from Michigan. Oh, the way, you know, where? Long Beach. Oh, okay. I'll just give you some time. If you need more time with your menu, I'll come back later. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Just, like, don't even fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goodbye! But, <laughs> so I guess my relationship with Vietnam has been a little bit interesting because there are times where I don't really feel like I identify too much with the, the traditional Vietnamese culture, but at the same time, I feel like I feel more uh, of a pull towards, like, the older, older Vietnamese culture, if that makes sense. Like, mm. before like when people were literally living off the land and there were like no big cities and, and it just, there's something, there's like a po- old world that pulls me to it more than the more modern version of Vietnam. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I guess before colonization, perhaps because mm. our food also is um, there's a mix of French. Yeah. Like the bomb mm. sandwiches, we didn't have French bread or like the clay pot stew. Or the coffee. Oh, the coffee. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Terrible. But, uh, but yeah. Um, I think the other thing, too, is I do find myself getting really defensive, though, if people are offended by my food. And I feel like food is such a universal language for everyone, not mm-hmm. just with Vietnamese people, that when you see someone enjoying food that most other people don't, that's in your culture, mm-hmm. it's like a bonding experience. And so for me, I get offended if people are like, that looks like shit. And it's like, that's something I eat. That's such a rude thing to say. Right. So, like, my identity there is also very food-based, like, yeah. most of our lives, I guess. So, I'm just, I'm proud of it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know it as well as I would like to, you know? 
Does that make sense? Okay. I think I mentioned something about Vietnamese water puppetry here. It's pretty cool, too. And I still am learning a lot of stuff about my culture that I don't know about. Because, again, growing up in America and my parents wanted me to just assimilate. Like, I didn't know that Vietnamese women kept their last names when they got married. Like, <gasps> I didn't That's know that. Dope. Also, I mean, you guys know that Wen is the most common last name. Both my parents had the name, so I thought that that was just her married name. But no, she was already a Wen. It's just so common. Like, they weren't related, so don't worry about that. But, but, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, and it's like, my choice of keeping my own last name was because of my own feminism. Like I just, I, I stand up for myself. I am a woman and I've identified as my, as a when for all my life, why the fuck would I change it all of a sudden? Cause I married a dude, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, also yeah. my dad actually got pretty pissed off when my sisters changed their last name. He's like, you gotta keep your identity. So I was very confused about it. Culturally. <laughs> yeah. And this happened before I was old enough to like consider marriage. So I didn't understand until after <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this for like everything for five hours like it needs so much more time that it's like yeah in this next section I ask Judy and Tina about um, what is their experience being queer in Hawaii in the continent slash mainland contrasting comparing those two things and also what would they say to their 17-year-old selves? So, Tina, you want to go first? I was just talking for the last 40 minutes. So. No, it was all <laughs> so good. Um, I think, well, moving to Portland was the timing of it felt really good because when I decided that I was going to stay with Mel and I can go a little bit over <laughs> that whole process but so with that decision came accepting that I needed to tell my parents and that was really rough and then feeling like I needed to be removed from the island because in Hawaii it's so family centric and my family Mm -hmm. just happens to be very religious and part of that family and our extended family was our church. You know, that's who I grew up with my whole life. And so suddenly it's just this huge, like, judgment mm. spotlight, right? Of like, <laughs> oh, no. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I had to really, I, at that point, I wasn't allowed to explore what it means for myself to be queer and so moving away gave a lot of space for that um maybe a little bit too much space because I I went real crazy when I I first moved up here it was so much shadow work and like personal work and lots of like crying in the corner of like what am I doing everything that I I know is upside down now right um But with that said, I mean, Portland, like I said before, specifically is really progressive in terms of like LGBTQIA rights and alliances and stuff. So in that sense, you know, people were really accepting of Mel and I. Uh, There is a difference when there is a difference when we both walk into a room together as opposed to if Mel just walks into the room because on top of like, for her, it's like a lot of different layers of like, uh, not necessarily being very femme presenting on top of being mm. brown, you know? So, like, people are a right. bit, like, uh, not sure how to engage sometimes, but when we're walking together, there's more of a clarity, like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, and so that's been funny to encounter. Um, right. Yeah, so, yeah, that's just been funny to encounter. Uh, in terms of, yeah, like, the process of, coming into queerness I think when I finally met Mel and I was like wow this is different I was also (laughs) flooded with so many different memories of like 
how could I not recognize that part of myself? Right. <laughs> you, you know, know like, like... This just opened uh, up floodgates of things that have been there the whole time. Totally. Totally. Like, uh, the bitch is gay, okay? Like, <laughs> she's a lesbian. <laughs> then I allude to Tina's coming out story. So much missing audio. Would would you be okay with sharing that story? Because <laughs> I don't know the story. If you're not okay with it. No, no. Oh, gosh. I was just talking to Miley about this as well. Uh, Miley was the first person I ever really told, um, apart from my best friend. And we were on tour. And I was tell we were in our room. We were in Waimea. And we were just drinking wine, you know, as a nightclub. And after I was like, you know, um, I have to tell you something. I mean, I don't have to, but I'm gonna. <laughs> she was like, uh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, what? <laughs> was she like, I'm ready. Like, Yeah, she's like, yeah, what's happening? And I was like, so I think, I think I might be like a little bit lesbian. <laughs> and she was like, oh, that's great. Like, wait, what does a little bit mean? <laughs> and I was like, wait, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what a little bit is. I just know that I'm not like a hundred percent straight. And her, I mean, her reaction, and I told her this to her, yeah, like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, her response was so pivotal in my journey because if she had reacted in any other way that wasn't mm. affirming or positive, I think I probably would have been like, yeah, you're right. You know what? Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's really dumb. Like, I can't. Because mm. at that point, you know, like the church and biblical teachings and right. stuff was so ingrained in my head and I had so much shame and guilt and like so all vulnerable. of that that I didn't know how to handle it at the time. So, um so yeah, that was that was that. And funny enough, actually, now that I think about it, I came out to my mom. I fam- FaceTimed her while I was at the exact same hotel the very next year. Wow. <laughs> so something so about my symbolism. <laughs> what was I that? Love it. Are we talking about the same Miley though? Huh? Are we talking about the same Miley? Miley Hoke? Okay, that's a totally different person. I had a completely different person in my head. Oh, yeah, 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 no. Yeah, that might yeah, probably would have cool. been really cool, too, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was just curious. I love it. I know, I love our friends. Our friends are so great. They're so amazing. Mm-hmm. I say something about my puppy right. here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, should we clarify to anybody who's listening that Gilly's a dog? Yes, we should. <laughs> oh my gosh. Something funny she's happened like, here. Some kid in the like corner. Like... In the corner. <laughs> I know, right? right? Yeah. I didn't do that, though. They're basically feral until... Feral like puppies. I don't know. Whatever I said here is... They do fine corners and they go... Permanently lost. Yeah. Now we switch, <laughs> we switch subjects from my puppy to... I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Something esoteric. It's that nothing is certain. And not everything has to be black and white. You know, I think it was a lot like, but this is what the Bible says. And so that's Mm -hmm. it. And these are the words. And this is how I have to live my life. And everything else does not matter. And if I don't do that, I'm going to go to hell, (laughs) you know, or, and that's with anything, anything, you know, but it's, but yeah, just to know that that's not Jesus died on the cross and he sacrificed Mm -hmm. so that we can have that freedom so that we may find joy and love and peace in him and not so that we can build more walls you tell them tina live in fear right you tell them so it's yeah it's just and to love yourself fucking just oh my god get a massage Mm -hmm. figure out (laughs) a epsom salt Mm -hmm. bath (laughs) figure it out sooner than later Get into essential <laughs> oils, even wine. though you think it's frou-frou, like, get into it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> and then Sean says something here that is also permanently lost, but it gets a reaction. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Right? <laughs> We're friends. We're having no, fun. No, that's right. it. That's, yeah, that's I'm right, it. right? Yeah. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. I said yourself something. Grace. I said something about that. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. That was 
That was nice. You're nice. You go, Judy. I want to hear. I want to hear. I feel like most of the stuff I say after Tina is like so not eloquent that it's Stop. like <laughs> no way. I'm just like a bunch of fuck bombs. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is true. That is me, unfortunately. Uh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also wanted to tell you guys like before I get into the whole queerness thing too, is that I appreciate you guys being so open with bringing me into the theater community and being my friends, especially because I forced Sean to be my friend. Um, (laughs) It was after, shit, what show was it? Was it Shakespeare's? It was All's Well. Yeah, we were at, we were at karaoke and I put my arm around his shoulder and I was like, what's up? And like, I just sat there for a really long time and um, he was I was like, I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> and then we became friends. Amazing. So thanks for letting me do that. And now I'm here. Okay. So. <laughs> so happy for it. Love it. So in regards to queerness and what it is to me and me being queer is honestly, I don't. I'm going to be honest with you guys, like hearing other people talking about when they came out and when they realized that they were queer and that they identified you know, as queer or one way or another, I, I was self-conscious because I, I had never hit a point where it was like, this is it. This is where I'm at. There was a moment where I maybe transitioned a little bit harder and like, I could feel it a lot stronger, but you know what I mean? Like there wasn't really a moment where all of a sudden I was like, I am, I'm queer. Um, I mean, I, I've, I don't know. I feel like I have um, known, obviously, I think for most of us who are queer (laughs) for a long time that I was, I looked and felt about people differently than what was seen. And um, I was two when my sisters took me to the Kingdom Hall because I was a Jehovah's Witness up until the age of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my dad's Buddhist and my mom's Catholic, very fucked up, but this is where we are. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was a Jehovah's witness for like 10 years of my life. And it was like the most impressionable chunk of time of my life when I was like really young and then up before I hit my teenage years. So for the first basically 10 years of my life, I thought Armageddon was going to hit us and we were going to die. And like anything I felt yeah. was <laughs> a sin. You, you <laughs> better be among the elect, the hundred four four thousand. You better, yeah, you better exactly. get on that, girl. Why do they take crackers and I don't? Like, I was upset because I was like, but I want a cracker. I'm hungry. I don't understand right. who told them that they could go up there. Did he just come down and stay oh, in the foot of their bed? Oh, Did they call him on the phone? Like, that oh was my gosh. Oh, no. Yeah. But I knew, I knew that I had crushes on other girls. When I was a kid, I definitely was also very boy crazy. So, like, I was like, okay, but there's something a little bit different. But mm-hmm. then there was a point where I hit my teen years because I am, I, I am pansexual. And I feel like a lot of people have reached out and asked me, since I've been more open about it, about the difference between that and bisexuality. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, there, it's not really that different. It just mm-hmm. depends on how you identify. It's, it's very overlapping. Um, I just love everyone and I want to touch everyone and I want these everyone that I love to touch other people if they want. Like, <laughs> touch yourself. Love yourself. So, yes. so yeah, love yourself. Love other people. Touch me. I don't care. Um, so I actually, what's interesting is I have a friend who's asexual and she and I were having this conversation and um, Jay and I are in an open marriage. And mm. so I'm like totally down whatever and he's he when I came out to him and I was like hey uh I'm pansexual and he was like okay that's cool yeah Yeah. love it let's do it I'm like okay I can hear (laughs) him say that let's uh wait what this is how this goes um but I I feel like I feel like I have been lucky in, in in my journey um compared to a lot of other people who have dealt with a lot of uh pushback with friends yeah. and family and I mean to be honest with you I don't even know how to explain it to my parents mm-hmm. at this point um I myself am not concerned with my parents knowing or not mm. because we are so 
generationally apart from each other mm. and culturally so different that explaining it would cause them like heart attacks and then it's just like it's 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 more mm-hmm. it's more that it's it's not like they consider it a sin or that they they see it as such a terrible thing that our world is going to burn or anything like that it's more yeah. that for them how do i explain this what's well, confusing i would imagine right a concept yeah. that maybe they're not familiar with i, I don't yeah, know if that's what it is yeah i would say this is something that i have I think the reason why I didn't realize I was pansexual up until semi-recently, the last five years or so, is because of the fact that the terminology I hadn't seen before up until that point. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it didn't exist before. Yeah, exactly. It's just that people had given me the opportunity to be like, oh, I identify very much with this. Yes, I understand now. Because I, I, I don't know. But I, I did I did come out to some of my other family members and they were like, oh, OK. And I even, you know, I, I'm norm- normally pretty private about my love life with my family. Like, I'll make jokes like, oh, you know, Jay did the dishes finally. Like, like crappy, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> shitty jokes. Right. Hetero, normative jokes. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, marriage. But, um, <laughs> uh, I just saw Jay like in an apron. At yeah. the, <laughs> looking and at like you a, like smirking. Yeah. It is his <laughs> eyebrow thing. One yeah. of those like 50s ads where yeah. I'm like, wah, wah, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but I came out with, to some of my family about that. And then I also came out and was like, hey, we're also open. And they were like, oh, that makes sense. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was actually nice for me because then, you know, I think I think it made them understand a little bit better about the pansexuality when I was like, hey, we're also open. Does that make sense? Oh, interesting. Um, interesting. So my, what I was trying to tell you about the asexual friend is we were talking about it and trying to explore and understand each other yeah. about each other's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, so for asexuality, you know, all these questions. And then she was like, well, why did you guys decide to be open? And I was like, well, I just love him very much. And I want him to share that and other people to share that too. And she was like, that is the most pansexual thing I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> there it this is. is where I'm at, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've had a smoother go of it than I feel like a lot of people have. And and I think a lot of it is because of the fact that I am married to a cis man. Mm-hmm. So I think it helps. It helps and makes it so that people see it in... Well, how how do I explain? It seems that? kind of legitimized. Is that kind of a sense? Maybe, because, or because that maybe they don't take it as seriously because oh, I am in a you're in with a, a man, right? Something that's you kind know of what I mean? not. Mm. It is, but at the same time, like if they feel that way, they can go fuck themselves because right. <laughs> right. I am living my life and uh, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been with other men and women and trans people and like i i just love everybody and i think everyone's bodies are beautiful however it is and like their souls you know and their personalities and there have been you know and i think before you ask the question i'll just answer for you about what i would tell 17 year old me um is that i remember actually a moment now that we're talking about it when i was in high school and i had uh met a girl And there was just something about her that really drew me to her. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Am I gay? Like, just (laughs) what are you gay? But, you know, you're a teenager and you're trying to figure out what you're feeling and your sexuality and your body. And there's so many things. And and I just remember feeling like this overwhelming emotion, kind of like what Tina was saying. And we're like, wow, this is new. Like, what is this feeling? Like, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Like, I was what is this feeling? (laughs) <laughs> as a flame. does it have a name pansexuality yeah. <laughs> and the the mascot is just like a frying pan <laughs> have you guys ever seen that meme where people are like i'm pansexual and they're holding a pan and they're like licking the pan. no but that's amazing and then you throw everything in it to make fried rice yeah man Ooh, and the pan's yeah. like give it all to me yeah, <laughs> I think that's so like special though about being queer because I think once queer people have a 
easier time i'm just generalizing but yeah. from what i've seen having conversations around like open marriages and stuff and like mm, not yeah. having or it's it just seems like a easier marriage because you're stripped from all those expectations of yes. what you're supposed to be doing because the expectations yeah. are already stripped in the fact that you're yeah. not already in a quote-unquote normal looking relationship so you can just make up your own rules yep. and as long as there's love and respect and communication then like whatever it matters yeah well i mean i guess but for me i am in a normal looking relationship right but i mean and i'm a woman but right right sure sure but i mean those but we have the roles thing, yeah. yeah exactly you guys can still make your own rules and like whatever it seems facing you know mm-hmm. also i really do i value and i know most of us do as humans but i very very much value my freedom and I think when I finally realized, like, this is where I, where I was and this is how I felt and this is who I am, that as soon as it happened, I was like, Woo! like, I do whatever, whatever you could. Again, go fuck yeah. yourself. Like, whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's just like it felt really nice to be able to, to be free about it. And I feel like I have been extra open about it. Mm. And I haven't been like, like, I don't do it in a way where stop everything you're doing. I need to tell you guys something like for myself. (laughs) It's been, I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm pansexual. And then like, Dan, I are in open marriage. People are like, wait, what? Can you explain Mm. to me? Like, what is this? I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll have the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know if that's like a weird way to go about it. I know it's an individual. People Mm -hmm. have different ways to do it. So that's just what's been nice for me. Cause I feel like for me, if I shine too hard of a light on it, then it becomes a thing. But yeah. if I feel like I'm, if I myself am open with it to other people the way I want to be open about it um, and casually and whatever, it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It makes it I mean, feel you're taking normal. off the stigma. Right. Right. And it is normal. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, and that's fine. And so that's, that's how it works for me. And I know that's not how it works for everybody. Um, I highly recommend it because it's very nice <laughs> and very freeing. And then that way people, <laughs> it's their fault if they respond strongly. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but for how I would talk to 17 year old Judy, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like I would have been like, just follow your gut and speak up and out about how you feel because I think the hardest part is feeling like you had to bend or change yourself for other people so that they're happy, but you're not happy, you know? And I feel like if I started that sooner, I could have reached a better sense of self-confidence, but you know, I'm still young, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and I feel, I feel good about myself, you know? I mean, we all have our insecurities as I feel like Tina gets the brunt of it. Sean's gotten some of it where I'm like, can you watch my video and tell me if I did okay? Like, just, you know, so there's that. But as who I am as a person, I think the last five years after having come out and been more open about my sexuality, I've become more comfortable and confident in myself and who I am. And, uh, and I'm totally cool with that. And again... They don't like it. Don't go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and side Coming note, Judy's videos are always so good. So <laughs> no. every time I'm like, no. I have no notes. Like just, if anything, you're oh holding God. back. Just... You're holding yourself back. If anything, oh it's always stop. Right? Yeah. Every it's time. super good. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Check out Judy. We're not video. talking about me. Yeah. Right now, you can go look at uh, judywen.com. No, I don't know. What's the website? <laughs> Wait, don't do that. I don't know if anybody has that one. Oh. I'm sure there's other, like, tons of other Asian women oh, sure, sure. that has a Judy Wen wow. website right now. Oh. Very confusing. <laughs> but there's only one you. We're going to have yes. to figure yeah. out what your specific name is. But uh, yeah. You guys are so funny. Well, um, you know what I do know is yeah. the name of your um, half-hour sitcom is This Is Where We're At. <laughs> and your catchphrase is... Your catchphrase is, go fuck yourself. That's <laughs> right. That's just, that's it. The whole thing is like, welcome to, this is where we're at. Um, so today in the Trump administration, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing and it just ends. Oh, uh, amen. Okay. So, yeah. So, we are at 135 and I want to 
wrap things up. I realized like halfway through my, I stopped recording, so I'm gonna reverse engineer things. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like put in my questions. Like I'm gonna listen to you guys recording, and be like, okay, that's what I asked. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's okay. I yeah. saw you actually, and I was like, just keep talking, Judy. It's fine. Like I saw you, like, uh, and then <laughs> I could hear your, your recording. Yeah. Like, cause you're recording back, I think, or listening to it. Yeah. But it's okay. Is there are there um, anything last words you want to share? Also, if you want to promote anything projects you're working on, I think you can do that here. Mm. No projects. I think we're all kind of in the same boat right now with our creative juices. Yeah. Potentially. Yep. I don't know. Totally. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, Kinda it's a rocky. hard time to create, but yeah. do it anyways, everyone. Do it yeah, anyways. Yeah. Try. Yes, create. Do your best, and whatever you do, it's fine. Because I think I think a lot of it too, with when it comes to creativity, is we put so much value in other people's perception of our creativity, mm-hmm. like the way that we produce that. Um, it's harder because I don't know you guys have found this, but there are things and works that we've all done that we're very proud of, right? Yeah. That we were like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And you show people and they're like, eh, it's okay. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's, everyone, it's so subjective. Everyone has a different opinion. So just, right. just stick to your truest self and what you really feel, your gut instinct. And I know I have a giant issue with trusting my gut. And literally nine times out of ten afterwards, I'm like, damn it, I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just didn't go with my gut. Mm-hmm. So that's a learning curve for me. That's a great but my last point. words, trust your gut. Yep. Do it. Kill it. I'm glad Tina was here to buffer. Otherwise, I would have just been talking the whole time of nonsense and Sean be like, oh, I would have been. I would have carried it. No, what are you you talking about? Well, I'm glad you were here. Well, thank you, guests Tina and Judy. Thank you, host Sean. (laughs) For listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at kamamoperiodhouse at gmail.com. That's kamamoperiodhouse at gmail.com. Mahalo. <laughs>